From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me again today is Jennifer Shutt, who covers the appropriations process for CQ. Welcome back, Jen. Thanks for having me, and happy fiscal new year, David. Well, happy fiscal new year to you, too. Uh, The fiscal year has begun as of Monday, and there's no government shutdown. President Donald Trump ended up signing an $855 billion spending package that he had called ridiculous just a few weeks earlier because it didn't have all the money he wants for his wall on the southern border. So, Jen, why did he sign it? President Trump signed this package for a few different reasons. One is that the defense appropriations bill for fiscal 2019 is a huge win for one of his big political issues, the Department of Defense. There's a lot of additional money in there over the previous fiscal year. There's a pay raise for soldiers in there, and there's a lot of provisions that really appeal to Republicans, particularly Republicans in districts that could or could not win re-election during the midterm elections. In addition to that, the bill includes a continuing resolution for the departments and agencies that did not get a new spending bill on time this year. There's also a temporary extension of the Violence Against Women Act through December 7th. Had President Trump not signed this bill into law, he would have been rejecting a lot of Republican priorities heading into the midterm elections. That also would have set up a government shutdown and a huge fight with a Republican Congress heading into the November elections when Republicans are on defense in the House and very much trying to appeal to voters that they can get work done on their behalf in Washington and run the government. Okay. Uh, So there's no immediate crisis, and Congress now has until December 7 to finish all the spending bills. But there's plenty of work left to do when they get back, right? Right. There's going to be a lot of elements at play when the House gets back from its pre-election recess. They have about four weeks where they're scheduled to be in across November and December. During that time, there are seven bills that need to pass and be signed into law. That four-bill spending package that includes the agriculture, financial services, interior environment, and transportation HUD bills, as far as we know, is mostly wrapped up. There shouldn't need to be a whole lot of negotiating on that package when they come back after the elections. But depending on who you listen to, there could or could not be a few open items left that may need to be resolved. The big And nothing's fight, done until it's done. Right. The big fight during the lame duck session is going to be over the three bills that have not come to either chamber's floor or headed to conference yet. That is the Homeland Security Bill, the Commerce Justice Science Bill, and the State Foreign Ops Bill. Those have a lot of areas in them that could be particularly problematic for not only congressional Republicans, but the Trump White House. Obviously, the Homeland Security Bill includes a provision for additional funding for construction of border barriers between the United States and Mexico on the southern border. When the White House sent up their original funding request, their budget request in February, they asked Congress to appropriate $1.6 billion in fiscal 2019. That is what the Senate included in its Homeland Security Bill. 
Uh, but the House included $5 billion in its version of the Homeland Security Bill, in part because during a meeting at the White House between appropriators and President Trump, he requested $5 billion. But as far as we know, no official change to his budget request has been sent to the Capitol. So that's going to be another thing that is going to be very intense um, for lawmakers and the White House to sort out during the lame duck session, particularly if the House moves to Democratic control. Yeah, that's the other interesting. I mean, the wall funding obviously is a hugely explosive political issue that still is awaiting them to to be resolved here in this spending bill, as you say, in the Homeland Security bill that they've specifically punted until after the elections. Now, how might the elections affect this? I mean, obviously, elections have consequences. If they come back and Democrats retake one or both chambers, even though the old Congress is still in session in the lame duck, how, how might that affect how these spending bills get wrapped up? We have absolutely no idea. And anyone who tells you that they know how this is going to work itself out in the lame duck is probably not being entirely truthful for you. If you believe that the four-bill package is mostly negotiated, that could be sent to the president's desk fairly early on, possibly in November. But whether or not Trump wants to sign that package that once again provides almost full-year funding for four of the subcommittees, but doesn't include his border wall funding, remains to be seen. He could veto it if he doesn't have border wall funding. And then if Democrats do take back one or potentially both of the chambers, depending on what polling you're looking at, they could want potentially a continuing resolution until the next Congress and allow these issues to be worked out at the beginning of the next Congress when Democrats have more control. But there may not be any incentive for President Trump to sign that and whether or not there are enough votes to override a presidential veto of a CR for those three to seven bills is anyone's guess. I mean, there's so many different scenarios that could work themselves out in the lame duck. In addition to that, you're going to have both political parties in both chambers welcoming new members and planning for the next session of Congress, setting out their rules, planning what bills they want to bring forward, first of all. And if Democrats do take back the House, there's going to be a very public debate about who the speaker will be. And if Republicans keep control of the House, there will also be a very public debate on that side of the aisle about who their speaker would be. So there's a whole lot of other issues that are going to be coming up in the lame duck and competing very strongly for attention with these spending bills. In addition to that, on the House side, we know that House Appropriations Chairman Rodney Freelandheisen is retiring at the end of this session of Congress. And so there are right now five declared subcommittee chairs who are going to be competing within their own party on the House side to take over the Appropriations Committee. So there's going to be... I mean, if people want yeah. their attention pulled to different areas, there's you know dozens of other areas for their attention. So to be sure, there's to. a lot of potential chaos and a lot on their plate. But if I were a Democrat and I knew that my party was taking back control of of either chamber next year, I think I'd be tempted to try to punt on these spending bills so that we could re, you know I could rewrite them once we take control. Right? Yeah, but you need a Republican President Donald Trump to agree with you on that and sign it. So that's a wild card for sure, uh, as these elections take hold before they have a chance to come back to the bills. And as you said, there's 12 annual spending bills, seven of which remain unfinished. So that sets up all kinds of policy fights on immigration and still the environmental regulations, a pay raise of federal employees, foreign aid. I mean, we can go down the list of a number of, of policy fights that we could see in the lame duck, right? 
or we could see none, and they could both parties could just agree to do a stopgap spending bill until next year. Right. If uh, if they can right if they could really reach that. Uh, so it's that's that's another wild card. And of course, the biggest battle, as you said, is is the fight over the wall funding, which could also lead to a shutdown because Trump has threatened that before. Yeah, that's going to be the one issue that I think most members are going to be focused on. I mean, when you look at fiscal 2019, the top line for discretionary spending is about $1.24 trillion. The five bills that have become law on time cover roughly $1 trillion of that. So those seven remaining bills, in terms of the amount of money as a percentage of fiscal 2019 that they control, is not particularly high. And even when you look at the Homeland Security bill, and then within the Homeland Security bill, the 1.6 or 5 billion or a number in between that could be allocated for border barrier construction on the southern border. That is kind of a low number when you look at it in the context of all the discretionary appropriations bills. And so the one thing that's going to be really interesting is how much do Republicans or Democrats want to fight about what is comparatively a small amount of money? Sure. That is a good point. Most of the discretionary spending is now in place for the year. Uh, but, there's, but there's plenty to fight about just on the margins, which makes up a very small portion of the, of the, of the funding. Correct. And the inability to pass all these spending bills on time this year, of course, has led to an effort to revamp the whole budget process. And a joint select committee was created to recommend a new process, but there's no deal there yet. And Jen, how are they doing? You reported on that last week. They're doing pretty well. The Joint Select Committee on Budget and Appropriations Process Reform is a pretty interesting group of lawmakers. It's 16 members total. Each of the four corners of congressional leadership, House Speaker Paul Ryan, House Democratic Leader Nancy Pelosi, House Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, each got to put four lawmakers on the select committee earlier this spring. And since then, they've held about five public hearings and a series of closed-door sessions where they've been discussing various ways to change the budget and appropriations process to reduce the amount of continuing resolutions that are needed um, and to get more bills done on time. And so it sounds like there's agreement at this point in time between Nita Lowy, who's a co-chair of the select committee and the ranking member on House Appropriations, and co-chairman Steve Womack, who is the chairman of House Budget Committee, to move from annual budget resolutions to biennial budget resolutions that would essentially be one at the beginning of Congress, setting the top line for both fiscal years. And in practice, that's what we've been seeing going on for the past few years. But whether or not the members of that select committee can agree on any of the other proposals that that they've been considering remains to be seen. There's a lot of changes that they could put forward that could either be huge process changes, including changing from the fiscal year that begins on October 1st to a calendar year schedule. There have also been conversations about strengthening the budget committees. Um, And there's just not a lot of consensus right now about whether or not they're going to be able to actually make those recommendations. And even if that select committee, that group of 16 lawmakers, does reach a final consensus for a base bill and does report it out by their November 30th deadline, there's no requirement for the House to take up legislation, this Congress, approving the recommendations. There is a provision in the law that established the select committee that will require the Senate to hold a floor vote. 
but whether or not there'd be enough support there also is uh, an open question. So that's another project for the lame duck session too, because this group has until November 30 to come up with its report to see what they're going to recommend. So there's a lot left to get done, and CQ will be covering it all for you. My thanks again to Jennifer Shutt, our appropriations reporter, for joining me. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your CQ budget tracker. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ budget newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or NPR One. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.